Hey guys, we're back. It's the first show of the new year. Nick's here as always. Hello, Nick. I'm here. Hello. What's up, buddy? Not much. How are you? You know, it, it's it's not the best start to the year that I'm having right now, but it can only get better from here. I definitely feel that. <laughs> it's been... Yeah, oh, you, boy. And I are, you and I are kind of in the same boat. If y'all know us, you know what's going on, but we're, we're both fine, and we will both be fine. Yeah, we're both fine. You know, we're we're okay we're safe that's all that matters is that we've made it to another day Mm -hmm. and i'm grateful for just making it this far yeah did not expect to start this way but hey there we go that's (laughs) what happens when you start well you see i did the thing that people hate when they ask you how you're doing is that you actually tell them how you're doing and then people are like whoa i I didn't i didn't expect that to get so serious that's what happens oh no i expected that to happen i I felt like that's how it was gonna be but guys don't worry we're okay we are good we're still we're still good everything's fine everyone is dealing with the thing we're both dealing with right now in some capacity yeah 2021 was a year we all Mm -hmm. went through it we all saw some movies we played some games we listened to some music saw some tv Mm -hmm. we're gonna talk about our favorite things from this year in this episode yeah we're gonna run the gamut i think we're gonna start with tv then we'll go into video games then movies and then just anything else along the way stuff that happened i mean if we want to start actually before anything else we didn't know each other before 2021 no, we did not. We met in 2021, and mm-hmm. then we started a podcast. So I guess that's the best of 2021. The fact that this exists is the best thing that happened in 2021. Maybe the real best of was the friends we made along the way. Legit, though. I made, I've made so many friends in our community this year, including you, of course, but everybody else has just been wonderful. It's the real highlight of last year, and hopefully we'll continue this year. Yeah, no, we met a lot of people. The one thing that was good about COVID and stuff was meeting some people through different mediums rather than just in person. Mm -hmm. Um, We met a lot of people with similar interests or just similar likes, which is the same thing as similar interests. I don't know (laughs) why I reiterated it in different wording. You're Um, fine. But yeah, we met a lot of people and now we're here with a podcast that we've had for half a year and yeah, well going on half a year, you know, it'll be, yeah, in February, I think it'll be about half a year, but it's been fun. It has been fun. We've been able to get all some of our friends involved on that. We'll hopefully get more friends involved this year. Hopefully keep growing the show, keep having fun, because I'm having a lot of fun, especially recently on this show. Yeah, the last couple of episodes have been really fun to do or and record, and then also mm-hmm. the commentaries that we've done. They've been a lot of fun of yeah. us just talking through movies. Just which, Speaking of which, go watch Attack of the Clones commentary. We did that, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and by the time by the time you guys actually hear this, we might have another one out. I don't know what our next one is yet. But these take me a little while to edit, a little bit behind the scenes there. So by the time you hear this, we might have another commentary out after Attack of the Clones. Yeah, we'll probably have one more out. Probably. Probably. But starting off with TV, Nick, um, before we actually get into the best ofs, um, we both watched uh, a show called How To with John Wilson. Take it away. We sure did. I'm going to actually turn it back to you just because you've seen one episode of this show and we just watched it together silently. I think we both had our mics muted, so I couldn't sway you, stuff like that. Based on the episode you watched, how would you describe the show? Um, Long form video essay, documentary, um, not a whole lot of like there's a lot of editing, but it's not sit down, have an interview with someone where they go through all this stuff. It's very much guerrilla. And if that makes any sense to you. 
yep. where it's just, you know, taking a camera through a city with some voiceover narration that accommodates what we're seeing um, with the theme. So I guess that's how I'd say it is a long form video essay documentary series um, with minimal editing in regards to like interviews and stuff. Yeah. So I um, I got into this show shortly after season one ended. So about a year ago now, I would say probably around this time in 2021, I got into it. And it was one of those things that like two or three people I'd seen on Twitter at the same time also they loved it. So I said, nah, I'll give it a shot, even though I never watched TV. I was curious about this show. I gave it a shot. The initial premises I find fascinating because it'll it'll start with a basic premise on this show. So the episode that we just watched, I believe, is called How to Remember Your Dreams. Uh, there's there's other episodes with basic, simple questions like that. They start with that. And then, as you can tell, he goes off into tangents, basically, that are I guess tangentially related to the main premise, the how-to that he's trying to do. And the whole how-to idea is just kind of a vague a vague entry point into the different things he wants to explore. So he'll go off onto tangents, and then he'll bring it back to a larger thematic point at the end of each episode. Um, so in the episode, How to Remember Your Dreams, it starts by literally talking about remembering your dreams and the impact that that can have. And then he's able to transition into your dreams being parallel to like a fantasy world. And he turns that into a comment on fandom and community and seeing how those initial questions turn into what they turn into. And like in the episode we saw, and it's like that in a lot of episodes, some of them are more emotional than others. We caught a pretty emotional one. I think that's the beauty of this show is that you can start with something simple and then turn it into something unexpected and kind of beautiful in its own way. Yeah, I definitely got that. Um, one of the shows that it actually reminded me of is Midnight Gospel. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a uh, no. It's actually a podcast. Um, but what they do is that they'll take segments of the show and they'll animate it and they put it up on Netflix. The show is, um, I guess, like executive produced or something like that by the person who did Adventure Time. And okay. so what they'll do with the art style is they'll make it very psychedelic mm-hmm. or very um, just like dreamlike. But a lot of it is just having the conversation with people about life or existential questions, all other stuff. And so watching this show reminded me of like, oh, this is kind of like that in real life, but like not as deep because they get into some really well, this episode in specific wasn't as deep as, as some of the episodes of Midnight Gospel. Mm. Um, but with that being said, it does delve into like what you're saying about fandom and community and sort of what does it mean for a dream to fester in you and how do you convey it and what do you do with it and that was really interesting to see yeah i I wanted to show you this at first because i heard that it was an avatar episode and obviously the avatar joke with me that will never die and it shouldn't die because it's it's a fun it's a fun bit um but i was like i'm gonna make manny watch this before we do our next episode just knowing that it was an avatar episode not knowing anything else about it and then seeing how the episode actually plays out and the way it approaches the avatar fandom that exists that you may or may not have known about i didn't know that it existed to this kind of degree necessarily it's just really beautiful really fascinating to me to see i guess the good side of fandom because obviously people talk about how toxic fandom is you you've heard both of us talk about on the show and seeing a positive fandom of people who i don't think they explicitly say it, but i believe it's people from all over the country who came together for this little little conference uh wing, a little winger con type event if you will um in new york and they're watching Avatar, they're eating cake together, they're just sharing their own stories, 
and they're just having fun together that to me shows like the positive side of fandom and i think it's a good it's a good discussion from john wilson about about your dreams and sometimes how it can be comforting to escape in whatever way that you need to escape and i really like there's a point where they're doing their little roundtable discussion there and one of the avatar fans there he he talks about how every time he watches the movie for the for like a week or two after he watches it he feels a kind of depression because he gets so immersed in the world that he escapes into and then coming back down to reality coming off of a high like that can really be damaging i don't know if damaging is the right word but it's just sometimes it can you know hurt to snap back into reality and i appreciate that discussion because i don't think that's something i'd ever really thought about before of someone who gets really immersed in something someone who needs escapism so badly as soon as they're done coming off that high and they have to come back to the real world, I'm, it can be really jarring. And I think that explored pretty, like, really powerfully. Yeah, and that's something that I definitely can relate to. Um, there's a lot of times where if I'm just not in a good mood or something like that, I'll just turn on one of my favorite movies and I'll just yeah. go and escape. And so, like, for me, sadly, and uh, not sadly enough, but, like, ironically enough, a lot of those are, like, coming-of-age films. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I just find a lot of comfort in them. So, you know, Perks Being a Wallflower, Edge of 17, a lot of those films. Um, Into the Spider-Verse is another one. Those are, like, those kind of movies where I get so invested in what's happening that I just forget about what what's happening in my own life, and it sort of re-motivates me to get back out there, for me personally. Yeah. Um, but I know that in the show they're talking, talking about how it, it gets you up and going but then once it happens you sort of run out of that drive which is something that I definitely have felt has happened before where it's like you're in the mood you're going for it and then just you come back down again and you're mm -hmm. like oh now I'm back here and yeah you sort of repeat that cycle yeah that's something I feel like I just don't hear much about is how the come down from something like that ends up being worse than the actual good feeling and good sensation you got from whatever thing it was that you enjoyed I've never really thought of it from that perspective before, and that just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks when I watched it for the first time. After I watched the episode, as opposed to before, I already want you to watch it, but after I watched the episode, I felt you absolutely had to watch this. Not just because I think it's a powerful episode, but also it really kind of hit me how similar our community and how we all came together is to this community like this. And, you know, hopefully a bunch of us are going to be able to meet up in person finally later this year, uh, COVID willing and all that. Um, it just it just hit me in a certain way at the right time and reminded me kind of how lovely the community that we have is. Yeah, we do have an awesome community. And whether it's, you know, our Wangers community or or Max's community that I hang out in or Gabe's community that I also hang out in, just finding those people that will bring you back up or will keep you comfort when you're feeling at your worst is just a fantastic thing. And I'm glad that we've been able to find that and also cultivate that in our own ways um, with any of the things that we're associated with. Yeah. Yeah. It's been invaluable to me for this last year. And I'm sure you can say the same. Uh-huh. Your boy has it. <laughs> um, yeah. But before we move on, I just, uh, I would give the highest recommendation to how to with uh, John Wilson. It's on HBO Max. If you're not aware of the show, I just, we should have said that at the outset. Um, it's on HBO Max. It's got uh, two six episode seasons. I think the season two finale just aired. I need to watch it still. Um, but they're half hour episodes each. They're all in that documentary style. He gets a fun, uh, excuse me, a ton of uh, funny B-roll throughout that he usually can cut to in a funny way with his narration. It's a very funny show. And some episodes are more emotional than others. Like I said, some of them can hit you like a ton of bricks. Some of them are just kind of funny all the way through. But 
highest recommendation I can give to How To with John Wilson. It's a breeze to get through, I think, and hopefully you enjoy it if anybody watches it based on this. Yeah, hopefully you guys will. But with that said, Nick, you want to talk about... Well, I mean, I you don't watch a whole lot of TV, no. but do you have a best of show for 2021? I'm trying to think of other shows I actually watched this year. Like, I watch wrestling shows. I guess those are technically TV. I never, I don't think of them in the same vein as TV. Um, so I'm not really not really going to count them. It wasn't a great year of wrestling shows, I wouldn't say. Uh, other than that, Ted Lasso Season 2 I watched. That was pretty good. We talked about that on here. That might be it as far as TV goes. I watched gotcha. a lot more movies than I've ever watched in any year before. Movies were kind of my focus this, this past year. I think I had a pretty even 50-50 between the two of them. Didn't watch a whole lot of one, didn't watch a whole lot of the other. Um, a lot of it was continued shows, so those were things that I already had a vested interest. Some uh, ones that I want to give a shout-out to would be Ted Lasso. I liked the second season. That was always a joy to come back every Thursday after class and just put on that, um, put on a new episode. Mm-hmm. Only Murders in the Building. It was Martin Short. Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, that was a nice little romp. Um, Very light. I liked it. Um, They have a really good episode about following a person that is deaf and sort of how that episode works out. I really enjoyed that episode in specific. Invincible was a good um, Netflix show. Um, I was really invested in it. After a while, I did sort of like fall off. But when I went back to watch all of it, I was really hooked on it. And I'm very excited for the second season. Uh, real quick, I thought Invincible was an Amazon show. Amazon. Sorry, did I say okay. Netflix? I meant, yeah, yeah, yeah it's an Amazon show. Yeah, I heard that one was good um, too. You were actually, go back to Only, only Murders in the Building for a second. You're the first mm-hmm. person who told me about that show. And since then, everyone I've seen has been talking about it on social media. It seems like it actually got, it got bigger after it was done airing, I think. I think so too. And they are making a second season already. Yeah, I saw so, that. So good I for might that. give that show a shot at some point. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I, you we'll you don't know how I'll feel about it? <laughs> that, that would be interesting. Okay. I, yeah, I don't know how you'll feel about it. Um, One that I didn't really know how to feel about was Made for Love. I don't know if you... Um, know that one it's the Kristen Milioti that's um, what I thought yeah, yeah show I know nothing about it except that she's in it yeah um I guess the basic premise is that she's trying to leave an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and sort of the complications with that um because of how tied she is to that person and sort of what it means to love someone and when it goes too far and I thought it was really interesting it was very weird not weird wacky unconventional sort of uh, kooky is the word that I would use. It's kooky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it was enjoyable. I don't know if I'd say it was best of the year for me, but I liked it. Okay. One that I really did love, and there's an episode that I would not be surprised if it does get nominated for an Emmy, but I would also not be shocked if it doesn't because of people that are involved with the show. Um, Master of None season three, mm-hmm. which is uh, Moments in Love. It does not follow Aziz Ansari's character at all he's in it for two episodes for a total of maybe 10 minutes it follows lena waith's character and it was written i believe entirely by lena waith and aziz ansari and it talks about her relationship with her girlfriend no her wife it's called moments in love because it really is sort of a snippet of life of a relationship specifically talking about um pregnancies and how people react to pregnancies in different ways and the toll that it takes on people. The episode in specific that I'm talking about, I believe, is episode four of the show. 
Um, the other actress in it is, I think, Noelle Wells? No, Naomi Aki. Okay, from yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Yes, uh, she was also in End of the Fucking World Season 2. But yes, Naomi Aki, she plays Lena Waithe's wife in the show. And it was her episode specifically talking about her wanting to do a pregnancy by herself and sort of the toll that all of the medications and the emotional trauma and being alone and the way that your emotions fluctuate when you're on, when you're trying to go through a pregnancy by yourself, the feelings of being, feeling alone. Um, it was a really good episode, really heavy. I understand that the show isn't for everyone, specifically for Aziz Ansari and sort of what happened a couple years ago. So I understand if people don't watch it. For me personally, it was just a really good season. I know a lot of people were like, I'm not going to watch it if he's not in it. And then some people were like, I'm not going to watch it because his name is still attached and it's yeah. still, <laughs> you know, uh, master of none. But that's how every that's how every touchy project is. You have people on both yeah, sides saying they're not going to watch it. It's touchy, but it's also the same argument of he's not the only person involved with this show. Yeah, it's it. And this season specifically was for Lena Waithe. They said we wanted to do a season just for this character because they did win an Emmy a couple of years ago for her episode, which was about coming out to her mother. Mm -hmm. And so they saw what they liked with that character, Denise, and then they made an entire season about it. I believe this is it for the show, officially. Um, we said that was season two, but I think this is all that they're doing. But I enjoyed it. It was a good watch. And I had access to that one a little bit early because I was following some people. So I got access to that early. I guess my well, my favorite show of the year is Hawkeye. It's not the best show of the year. Not even close. <laughs> but um, that would be my show of the year for me it was just everything that i wanted from that character i've spoken about it at length so i'm not going to keep talking about it but just going from that comic to the movies to the show it gave me what i wanted for the character after a decade and so i'm very happy that we finally got a good character show for him i believe that's all i have for television i noticed you didn't mention loki Listen, don't get me started on Loki. Listen. It's, Loki was a show that came out, and it set up a lot of things. Can't deny that. That's what I will say about the show. It had a beginning, didn't have an end, because there's a season two. But, yeah. Oh, uh, Doom Patrol. I just finished that as well. Uh, I like the season a lot, and what they did with... They always do good stuff with all the characters, but I'm glad that they finally gave Rita a big character arc. Um, and then Crazy Jane is always, I think, the best part of that show. She, her going through the multiple personalities and what it means to be a caretaker for someone as a personality. Um, I've seen a lot of people say that it's a good representation of what it is to have multiple personalities and sort of live with that. And it was really good. And it talks a lot about trauma and familial trauma. Fatherhood is a very big theme of the season. So if you're into Cape stuff, go ahead and watch it. I think it's the best thing DC is doing right now. If you're not, I completely get that. So don't watch it if it's not for you. All right, so that's all I have for TV. But it's time to talk about some games. Ooh. A couple of games came out this year. I played less than I thought I was going to. But in the hindsight, I actually played a lot of games. And that's thanks to, say it with me now, Xbox Game Pass. Oh, damn it. Oh. 
okay, I guess we're going PlayStation now. PlayStation now. Guys, for $15 a month, okay, you can buy PlayStation. Okay, we're not actually going We're to, not doing that. Um, Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, don't get me started on Nintendo Switch <laughs> Online. We had that conversation back we did. in like September. But Game Pass, yes, $15 a month, great deal, lots of good games. We played a lot of games through there. Um, I played my game of the year through there, so I'm very excited to get into this conversation. Nick, you played some games. What what stood out to you this year? Um, So I guess I'll build up to the game of the year, but as far as the Game Pass side of things goes, I had several games that I really enjoyed. Flight Sim, I didn't play a ton of. Um, it's not like totally my type of game, I don't think, just because it just takes a long time to travel. Um, but it's like really refined. It looks beautiful. And I do enjoy going back into it from time to time. Just great, even if it's not totally for me. And I haven't, I've only sunk like five hours into it, but it's a unique experience that I was very happy to have. Uh, yeah. So the, the big surprise of the year was uh, Forza Horizon 5. I think that's the official title. Yes, Forza Horizon 5. I get them mixed up because they've had so many and they have two different series. Um, yeah, Forza Horizon 5 was a total blast. We talked before it came out, and I never actually got to talk about it on the show, I don't think, because uh, you were you're with Gabe on that episode. I wasn't a big for- fan of Forza Horizon 4, I think. I played a few hours of it, and I was going to try 5 at, at some point just because I have Game Pass, but I was surprised how much time I sunk into it and how addicted I got for a good week or two, I think. Like, it's just insanely polished. It looks incredible, especially uh, Humble Brag on, on the Xbox Series X. Beautiful, beautiful game. And the customization is really cool. There's a lot you can do. The photo mode's awesome. I love using the photo mode. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to do. It's fun to just roam, or it's fun to do all the missions, or it's fun to do all the races. The online uh, battle royale game mode that I played a couple times is really interesting. There's just a lot to that game. It f- feels like the most polished game I've played this year, and it's just a really fun racing game with a lot of other stuff to do. I agree. It's great. I, I still hop in every now and then to play. Um, I think it's, I think my favorite of the Forza games, I think there's just so much to do. I think the game looks gorgeous, even Mm -hmm. on my mid PC, it still runs fantastic. It looks great. I enjoy most of the races that I've done playing with friends was so fun. The, the loop of getting new cars, you know, it, it definitely has that casino effect of here's slots where you're trying to get more cars and stuff, but I never felt like I needed to pay to get more cars because I was getting them every like 10, 15 minutes. I was getting a new car. Mm-hmm. It, that's overstating it, but I was getting cars very quickly in that game and they just hand them out, which some people don't like that. They wanted more of a car, of a car PG, as they call it, like mm. the old Need for Speed games like Underground where you start out with a bad car and then you go up. But for me, I mean, starting with a fast car and just getting better, that was always so fun to me. I loved all the barn finds. It The radio was good this game as well. We got some Foo Fighter songs in there, so that's always going to be a big win for me. The but, radio. Don't get me started on the radio. <laughs> My game was glitched out. I could never sl- I could never switch the radio station. Oh, st- yeah, that's right. I haven't played so it in a couple sorry. months now. Uh, we'll see if whatever the most recent updates have been fix that. But I was always stuck on one radio station, so I can't relate. And it makes me sad. Hey guys, it's Nick here from the future. I can confirm to you after playing the game again since recording that I still cannot change the radio station of Forza Horizon 5. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But I did enjoy the game. I, I love the game. Yeah, I'm probably going to dive back into it probably soon just for some casual background gaming. I'm looking forward to that day because there's still a lot of stuff I haven't tried. I only did a couple online games. I don't think I've ever 
to this day, I don't think I did a proper online race with people. So that's something I could do. I've always just did the PvE races. Um, so there's a lot more I could get out of that game that I haven't yet. And I'm excited to do that eventually. Whenever I'm in between games and I need something casual to play, that's a good going to be a good choice for me. Um, so Halo Infinite, we should bring up. We just talked about it, so I don't want to talk people's ear off about it. It is one of the better gaming experiences I had in 2021. I was worried about it for a variety of reasons. Uh, not uh, The delays being highest up on that list. It seems like even up to the end, the development was a, a bit crazy, and it seems like they had to make some uh, make some cuts at certain places. But I think as a whole experience, single player and multiplayer, it just feels incredibly refined. The campaign just feels like a smooth experience from start to finish. The multiplayer has been fixed, I guess, in a, in a sense. It has more modes now. I don't know if fixed is exactly the word for it. There's more variety in the multiplayer. Uh, hopefully they keep adding maps. Hopefully you can... Hopefully you can do some forging soon. I, d I don't know the ETA for forge in that game as of yet. So there's a lot of stuff still missing, but as a whole, Infinite's really, really good. I'm happy with it. I would agree with that. I would echo those sentiments. Yeah. Uh, so the last game I'll mention, at least on the Xbox side of things, that I've brought up for months on this show with little updates. I finally beat it. I finally beat Psychonauts 2 the other night. Finally. Guys, he did it. He finally did beat it. Psychonauts 2. He went through all the minds. He went through all the emotions. He was inside. He was out. Nick, what did you think of Psychonauts 2 when everything is said and done? Psychonauts 2, after I finally, after I did Skyward Sword in the early episodes of the podcast, and I just kept updating people for five seconds saying, I'm still playing Skyward Sword, Psychonauts 2 became that. And much like Skyward Sword, I was not sure about this game at first. I thought it was pretty good, but by the end, it totally won me over. This is a hell of a charming game. Um, the final boss fight isn't my favorite, but I think all the other boss fights are super enjoyable. The combat's pretty basic, but it's an enjoyable gameplay loop. I think it's a really well-designed platformer. I don't, I don't know what you would call this game, because it's not like the other platformers necessarily. It's a platformer. Yeah, it, it that's is. That's what it's been labeled as. Uh, yeah. an, an action-adventure platformer, I think, is what it's labeled as. That's probably it. There's, there's more to it than just the platforming. But I mean, at its core, you're doing a lot of jumping around and using your abilities. That's what it is. Yeah, it's kind of like still. it's kind of like the old Spyro games. Yeah, so I really ended up digging Psychonauts too. I think it's super well written. There are some big names in that cast. I don't know if you're aware of who's in that game, but they're delightful. If you know who's in that game, I don't want to. Or if you don't know who's in the game, I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, there's a couple really delightful names in that cast. Everyone does a great job. Um, and it makes me want to go back and play the first one, which I believe is also on on Game Pass. Uh, I just wanted to play some more 2021 games and an Xbox exclusive like that seemed like a good way to go. And I heard good things about it and I can echo the sentiment sentiments. It's probably a solid eight, 8.5 out of 10 for me. And I heard it ran well on Xbox one too. So it's not just a series X thing. Well, Hey, that, that's great to hear. I'm glad to hear that it won you over. Cause, yeah. cause I knew like when you started it, I'm like, this is the typical, not, not typical. This has been the common response to the beginning of the game of like yeah you know it's fine it has an okay start and blah 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 but then by the end a lot of people are like no i was very happy mm -hmm. this game came out i'm very glad that tim sweeney finally got to see this vision completely realized um and so i'm glad that it won you over by the end i think on the show i literally said it's like a solid 7.7.5 7 out of 10 something like that as of like the first three to five hours I'd played of it, but it's about 15 hours overall, I think, give or take a little bit. There are some sections I got stuck on, so probably about 15, 16 hours. Um, yeah, just the last half of that game is just a blast. And um, in the earlier parts of the game, I felt like I had to just kind of play it in one hour sessions. Not that I got tired of the game necessarily, but it's just like it, the structure is such that the missions are fairly long, probably about an hour each. And 
when you're done with one, it's like a natural stopping point. So I would always stop there. But the last four or five missions of the game, I kind of plowed through. I think I did it over maybe two sittings because it was just really enjoyable toward the end. The story got focused up. It was just delightful, like all around. So if you have the uh, technology to play Psychonauts 2, I would also highly recommend Psychonauts 2. Boom, there you go. Nick is out here recommending Psychonauts 2. Yeah, so on the Nintendo side of things, I'm trying to think now. I've been mostly playing my Xbox for the past few months. I haven't, like, I've been playing my Switch fairly frequently, but I haven't played anything new on it, really. I think the last new game I got for it was Mario Party Superstars, which was way back in October. That seems about right. Yeah, I don't think I've got, I didn't get Diamond and Pearl remakes. That was the big holiday title. So in terms of big Switch releases, I haven't gotten anything since then. Uh, Mario Party Superstars is a blast. I hope we get more boards soon. I will go back to that game a lot either way, but I really hope we get more boards because they have a lot they can put in there and I'll probably be that person and I'll probably pay for it if they make me pay for it. Otherwise, what what did Nintendo come out with in 2021? I'm saving one for Mario, my game. Mario Golf. They did. That was okay. Yeah, that was an enjoyable multiplayer game. Uh, the adventure mode was kind of whatever, uh, but the battle golf mode, I think it's called battle golf. Yeah, battle golf. That that was the standout mode to me. The regular the regular uh, and speed golf modes both both really enjoyable online, but battle golf was the one for me. And of course, it's the lowest populated one that I can never find a matchup against three actual humans in. So that's kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed Mario Golf for what um, it was. Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury also came out this year. Little Nightmares Two came out this year, which I don't think you played. No, I've played the original. I played the original 3D World on Wii U, and so I was waiting yeah. to get. I was waiting to get that until it got a price cut. Not that Nintendo will ever get a price cut on a first-party game below forty bucks. I do want to play the Bowser's Fury section, and I have heard this is a much better version of 3D World, which is already a fantastic game. Yeah, I was gonna say, was this year the year that we got the Super Mario 3D All Stars? No, that was 2020. That was in September of 2020. Was it really Although, 2020? Anyway. Yeah, uh, although Mar- March of this year was when they killed Mario. March 31st was when they, they took uh, 3D All-Stars off the shelves, and they took down Super Mario uh, 35, uh, the Tetris 99 version of Super Mario Brothers, yeah. which was yeah, a fantastic fantastic little game that makes no sense they brought they brought it off. It only brought value to Switch Online, so they took it down because of some artificial scarcity. Like, I say artificial scarcity. As, as it pertained to releasing the 3D All-Stars thing, I understand that they wanted to create demand for it, even though I think demand would have still been there for years anyway. Um, I could understand the business behind that, even if I don't agree with it. I don't see any reason to take Mario 35 off the eShop at all. It makes no sense to me. It's just adding value to Switch Online. Yeah, it's Nintendo being Nintendo. I know. They're still going to get away with it. Yeah, that was Nintendo um, Legend of Zelda, which I think is the one that you were going to say. Skyward Sword. Yeah, Skyward Sword Sword HD. Pokemon Unite, um, that that's not for you, but that yeah. that's for me. But yeah, yeah, I was gonna say new Pokemon Snap was a delight. I I really enjoyed Pokemon Snap. They added extra content a few months later, and I think I went back to it for a couple days, but I didn't play too much of it after that. But that game just looks wonderful, and the Pokemon Snap gameplay loop is very relaxing, very satisfying. Not like my game of the year or anything, but super enjoyable. I feel like there's a big title that I that I played that I'm forgetting. I'm looking. I can't seem to find anything that you would have played. Oh, I guess it's not a huge title, but WarioWare Get It Together. That's what I was thinking of. Um, WarioWare, yeah. Yeah, I, I love WarioWare Gold on the 3DS. I played that uh, last year and got a lot out of it, so I was excited for Get It Together. It's very, Get It Together is very multiplayer focused, which I have never played multiplayer on it with people because you can't play it online. 
So that's kind of shitty. So there's a lot of that game I haven't been able to play, uh, but it's got the classic WarioWare gameplay loop. The mini games are all fun or micro games. Technically, uh, they're all fun. There's a bunch of different characters to choose from. So that's enjoyable. Um, they have, I believe it's called the Wario Cup, which is like an online leaderboard thing that rotates every week. Wario Cup is like a specific challenge each week where sometimes you're restricted to one character or a certain group of characters. And sometimes you're not restricted at all, but it's all high score based based on the uh the lineup that you choose and how quickly you can get through the mini games. It's like it's a predetermined gauntlet of mini games uh, most of the time. And that it was like addicting as hell sometimes to go in there and go for high scores as often as I did. I've missed a lot of them and I've gone back to play all the ones that I've missed and I've need to go back and play the last few that I've missed as well. So it, it brings me back every now and then. I didn't play it as much as I wanted to just because I don't have access to the multiplayer because I because they don't have online multiplayer, which is disappointing. Nintendo, why don't you have online multiplayer for this game? But at its core, Get Together is really good. The last game I will mention on the Nintendo side of things and in general, my game of the year has been Metroid Dread. I've wanted very badly to go back and replay Metroid Dread, and I haven't done it yet, but I think I might do it really, really soon. I've been getting the itch over and over and over again. It's what I talked about on the show uh, a couple couple months ago around the time it came out, but it's just almost perfect from start to finish. I think the boss battles are great. I think it's just got a very satisfying gameplay loop of, I mean, that's classic gaming, but finding abilities, using your abilities, and then incorporating them into your everyday your everyday moveset as you go through the rest of the map. Because usually you'll have that section where it's all about learning your new abilities, but as you go through the rest of the game, going back and forth between everything, um, it's just really satisfying, and it looks great. I hope we get more traditional 2D. Well, I guess this is not totally 2D, but this type of Metroid game, along with Metroid Prime 4, if that ever happens. I need to go back and play the rest of the 2D Metroids now because I played Super this year for the first time and I played Dread and they're both fantastic. And there you go, folks. There is Nick's Game of the Year list. Mm-hmm. Some good picks in there. Some good picks. Oh, there was one. Oh, I'll let you mention that actually because there is one that we both played on the Nintendo side of things. Is there? Monkey Ball. It's Monkey Ball. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Monkey Ball. I thought about mentioning that one, but it was like a remake, so I didn't. But yes, Super Monkey Ball um it's good it's fun <laughs> it I, good. I like it i i'm probably gonna play a little bit of it tonight mm-hmm. um but it's fun i was very happy that monkey ball one and two got that remaster even if some things aren't great specifically talking about you monkey launcher monkey monkey, monkey target monkey target that's what it's called look at how they massacred my boy yeah it was a little bit massacred but all in all i'm very glad that this package exists i think for the price point that they're setting it at very good Mm-hmm. Um, but we've talked about that at length. Yeah. A lot of the games that I'm going to mention, Nick also did. So I'll just get them out of the way right now. Um, Halo. Really loved Halo. I still play it. It was great. I really liked the campaign. I'm excited to see where it goes. That's really my only, not my only issue with the story, but that was the main one, was that I wanted to see more of what they were setting up. Yeah. Um, and then the payoff for that. So that's one that I'm excited to see come back. Mm-hmm. Forza, we mentioned it earlier. I really loved it. I thought it was so fun just racing against other people. Another one that I liked for when I played it, but I never went back to it because I sort of felt like I got what I wanted to get out of it was Outriders. It was the Gears of War, Mass Effect, Destiny type of game um, that came out this year. That was fun. I played that with Gabe for like a solid month or two, um, but it was good. I enjoyed it. I was glad that it was on Game Pass and I didn't have to pay for it. 
but it was a fun time. I forgot all about the game. I played that game for a couple of hour, for a couple hours this year, and I totally, totally forgot it existed. Yeah, uh, Outriders came out this year. It's wild to oh, think about when God. I think about games that come out this year. I'm like, oh, that was this year. Oh, that, that was like, this year. That's like 2019 in my brain was when I played yeah. that game. Yeah, wow. there was a couple of those. Um, Nintendo wise, um, Mario Party, I believe was the only one that I played this year mm-hmm. outside of Pokemon Unite, which mm-hmm. I'm, I've talked about it at nauseum, but it's just a nice, fun, little casual game to play with friends. I'm trying to think PlayStation. I didn't play anything this year because I didn't have a PS5. Sad. So anything that I played from PlayStation was from previous years. I did not get a chance to play It Takes Two. I am still trying to find, not find people, but I'm still trying to get that coordinated to actually play It Takes Two. We played MLB The Show, and that oh, was fun for the time I should have mentioned that. Play I played so much MLB The Show this year. Yeah, the show so was So much really fun. for the entire be- baseball season. I put probably 200 hours into that game at least. Yeah, and that was on Game Pass as well. So that yeah, was a great game. I bought game. it, but it is on Game Pass. Yeah, that was a great game to play mm-hmm. during that time. I'll mention yeah. one more, and then I'll go into my game of the year. Okay. Oh, wait, two more. Um, okay. Gardens of the Galaxy, yeah, I'm going to bring that up. It was a good game. It was a really well-written game. I really liked all the characters. The action was sort of meh, but at the end of the day, I really liked the story of the game. It didn't feel too similar to Guns in that sort of way, but it was definitely taking that influence and then doing their own thing with it. And it did it very well. It took a lot from the comics. So I really appreciated that game and the fact that it wasn't Marvel's Avengers. And then the last game that I'll mention before I get to my game of the year. Again, when I said these were in no particular order, just games that I enjoyed this year. Valheim. Valheim was a, uh, it's a new survival game. And I know everyone's like, oh, survival. But something about this game is just so nice and kind of calming because you're Vikings mid, uh, back in the, like, I don't want to say Middle Earth age, but, like, the old ages and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you're sort of going up against these Ents and these, dwar- like, the Grey Dwarfs, which are a sort of mutated creature. You're going up against very normal things like boars or deers and sort of being with a group of friends and kind of playing out our Viking fantasies was really cool. I There was some times where we would get on a boat and we'd just travel around the world, but we'd look up and we'd see the world tree just going throughout the entire map. It's a very beautiful skybox. I really enjoyed Valheim. Um, every time that I've gone back to play it, I'm like, this is very fun. I like the crafting system was actually pretty good in that game. I like the building in that game. It's pretty, not simple, but easy to get the hang of. The combat, it's kind of annoying at the beginning because all of your points start at zero. So the more you run, the less energy that takes. The more you swim, the further you can swim with your energy. The way that the food was integrated was that food isn't just a a like system. It gives you more health. It gives you more agility. And it actually is pretty balanced, in my opinion. There's no water, so you don't have to drink anything. But mm. I felt like a lot of the things that were implemented into into the game worked really well and the fact that it's still early access for 15 bucks i think it's a great game how'd you play it i've i've heard i've just seen you playing it on discord steam. a couple times oh it's just it's steam exclusive it's, it's through steam yes and it's actually okay. very taxing it's not actually an easy game to mm. to run so you're um, saying my my hp pavilion laptop should probably not 
I should probably, probably not try not. and play it. Okay. No, probably <laughs> not. It's uh, my computer, which again is mid. I think at this range, it's a low end PC mm-hmm. um, because of the graphics card. That's pretty much the only reason why. But graphics cards are impossible to find right now. Yeah. But that barely runs at like 40 FPS. And Oof. so, and it doesn't look bad at that FPS, all things considered. I think yeah. the art style actually complements it pretty well, but it is kind of taxing. But yeah, those were all those games. And now we get to my game of the year. Which, what could it be? Uh, I genuinely am not thinking of it right now. I mentioned it once on the show before. And oh, then, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see if I can remember it. Is it Splitgate? No. Oh, oh. I, uh, not Splitgate. Lemniscate. That was also a fun game for the mm-hmm. time that I played it. That was the strategy one. I recommend that one. That's also on Game Pass. The game that I'm talking about is The Artful Escape. Oh, okay, okay. This game, I am in love with this game. I saw this announcement, I think maybe like three, two years ago, but it is so just beautiful to play through. The music is fantastic. The The sound design is so good. I love the story of your... Uh, it's not really a spoiler because it's the basic setup in the first five minutes of the game. You are this folk singer, um, but you're the nephew of a very famous one. And it's the anniversary of an album release that, he, that your uncle released. And mm-hmm. you're going to be performing that night. And you're sort of dealing with the implications of I'm the nephew I'm supposed to be this person but there's something in me that is playing something different that is that I just disappear and it was very much like in the movie soul when they talk about when you're in the zone everything just sort of disappears and you're Uh just you in that area you get introduced to that very early on in the game but then you just go on this awesome journey through space and the cast i'll read out the main four uh cast members of this game that not main four but these are four members of the cast that have a big role lena Headey, jason schwartzman mark strong and carl weathers and carl weathers gives a great performance in this (laughs) game it's he's very bombastic energetic he has a lot he's this musician that has been heralded for years in space as this awesome person and you play in this awesome opera house and he's sort of taking you under his wing and being like, no, you got to go do this. You got to go uh, do that. This is what it really means to be a musician. This is what it really means to come into your own and have your own personality. And boy, does this game have personality. I've shared a few of the screenshots um, mm-hmm. in our video games channel. And every time that we just get into a new place, I have to take a photo. I have to just listen to the music. I have to just run around playing the guitar, jumping, just doing whatever. I love this game. It's not the most technically advanced game. It's not changing the gaming landscape for controls. There's really nothing to the game rather than walking around with the d-pad holding x to play your guitar jumping and then some simon says portions of the games but the script is really good the characters are so lovable and down to earth and you just really want to spend so much more time in this game and it's only about five hours long it's a very short game but it is just fantastic i cannot recommend this game enough it's on Game Pass only for Xbox, not on PC. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was probably going to play it anyway. I thought it was just mm-hmm. an indie game, honestly. It's uh, it's released by Annapurna. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. For those okay. of you who don't know, Annapurna, they are a movie studio, but they also release yes. games as well. Um, I believe they released some of, I was about to call him Frodo. Frodo. They released some of his games as well. Elijah Wood. Oh, okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, uh, they, they released some of Elijah Wood's games as well. Um, but yes, Annapurna is the publisher as well yes. as a couple other studios or a couple other publishers. I could be wrong. I believe Annapurna made Outer Wilds, didn't they? They might have done Outer Wilds, which is uh, my friend Isaac. It's his game of the year for the year that it came out, which I believe was 2020. I believe it was 2019. That was, it might have been 2019. I think it was 2019. That was his game of the year. Um, yes, Outer Wilds but, is a 2019 action adventure game developed by Mobius and published by Annapurna. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I was right. Annapurna, they're doing good games, honestly. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> excited are. to see what they release next. Um, but The Artful Escape, I think it's fantastic. The The fact that it's written by a musician and mm-hmm. he made a game sort of about music, I guess is very simple to say, but the expectations that come with it and sort of defining who you are as a creator, man, this game is just everything I wanted. I love it. You've, you've sold me on the game, I'll say that. So just for you, I will, I will try and play this game pretty soon. Yeah, it's it's short. It's only about five hours. If you yeah. beeline it, if you beeline through it and not go through all the conversations, you can do it in about three and a half. It's fantastic, guys. I love this game. It's it got a couple awards. I think it got like best music, which was expected. It might have gone like be- it didn't get best indie. That was Kenna Burgess Spears, which I did not get to play, but mm-hmm. I did watch most of it and it looked pretty okay. Uh, pretty okay. I mean, like it, it looked, looked pretty good. okay. <laughs> it looked good. Um, that's what I wanted to say. Um, yeah. But Artful Escape, I love this game. I cannot stop raving about it. It's fantastic. But that's it for games. Before we get into movies, I'm just going to throw out a quick couple of things that I liked from this year. And then if you have anything else that isn't movie related, you can also throw them out. Okay. Albums, Silk Sonic, Olivia Rodrigo, Foo Fighters. Those are probably my top three. I did love the Adele album this year. Yeah, they're all pop mainstream albums, but who cares? Look, look what you like. Um, Adele's album was very raw, and it was very emotional, talking about her heartbreak and her divorce and sort of how she doesn't want to have a broken relationship with her son. I believe it's the third track on the album is just really heartbreaking because throughout the song, she'll play messages of herself talking I believe it's messages that she's leaving for her son and she's saying like, hey, please just don't hold this against me and your father. We were in different places. I was young. I never got to do any of this because I was this star and all this other stuff. So it was just very raw and I loved um, the album for that point. Silk Sonic, we talked about. I think it's fantastic. It's fun. We haven't on the show. We haven't. I I talked about it with Gabe, but... It's fantastic, fun, sexy, sensual, juicy, tasty. It's all those words. <laughs> all it's these fantastic. Words. Three three fingers in a biscuit. It's great. I love that album. Livia Rodrigo, she was the number one star of the year. You don't need me to tell you anything about that album. And then Foo Fighters, coming off of Concrete and Gold. I did like this direction. I know a lot of people didn't, but for me, it worked, and I was very happy with it. Top track on Medicine at Midnight real quick. What is it? Um... I do love Medicine at Midnight. I also I think like that's making mine. a I also like Making a Fire. Oh, but Love Dies Young is also good. It's a good closer. Yeah, Love Dies Young's good. Making a Fire is just overplayed to me already. I see that. Yeah, it's in it was in MLB the show like a month after the album came out, so I heard it a lot. 
I've had my fill with yeah. that. I think Medicine at Midnight's probably my favorite from that album. I used to be really into Waiting on a War, but I've softened on that song a little bit over time. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably Medicine at Midnight. Uh, going back to Silk Sonic, we had a fun New Year's Eve seeing Silk Sonic together in a Discord chat. We did. I don't know any of these people in real life, but on Discord, we spent... I think like five hours just hanging out with each other. Yeah, you went to you went to talk to other people at one point, but I was in the I was in that chat for probably seven hours. I stayed up very late, uh, got very intoxicated, had my first hangover that night. Uh, it was something. Only a select few people got to hear it because our friend Bobby forgot to click record on his OBS when he was trying to secretly record us. Um, only a few people got to hear us do what I miss you by Blink One Eight Two and Smoking Out the Window by Silk Sonic. So that was a thing we did indeed sing those songs. And the world will never know. But yeah. If you want to talk about any albums that you enjoyed this year, any music revelations, I know you got into Blink-182 this year, so you could talk about any of those things. Anything that you enjoyed. Yeah, I think album-wise, as far as new albums, I think I'm, I think I listened to the new Killers album once, and it was forgettable as all hell. I liked the one from 2020. Um, I haven't listened to too much of them other than these two albums, honestly. Uh, but the one from 2020, I really liked. This one was totally forgettable. Um, as That's as far as new music goes. We talked about Mess in a Midnight, which is a good Foo Fighters album. I listened to all of Foo Fighters this year. After I listened to all of Blink-182, that was my next band. I did that for you. And I like most of Foo Fighters. I'm a big fan. I went to their concert. That was fun. As far as music revelations, I think David Bowie I got into in 2020, mostly. And I continued into that this year. But yeah. Blink-182 was the big music revelation of this year. Thanks to Cody from The Wingers for convincing me to get into it. He gave me a whole he gave me a whole essay in our Discord about uh, a rundown of all the albums and a little basic history of the band and all that. And I wasn't sure about them at first. The first couple of albums, and I still feel this even though I like them more than I did at first, those first few albums are very samey. They all they all kind of all the songs kind of blend together for me. And there's a general sense of immaturity to the those first few albums. But I think starting Starting in w- really with Enemy of the State, uh, their fourth album, they start to go in a bit more mature direction, slowly but surely. And then, um, I've I mean, I've enjoyed pretty much every album after Dude Ranch. I would I would say, and I've got at least a few songs I love from each album. I would say my favorite song overall is probably Ghost on the Dance Floor, which is from Neighborhoods. That was my number one song on Spotify Wrapped for 2021. And I still I like the I like the new Blink too. I don't uh, I don't love love it, but. I'm I'm a fan of it, and I'm hopefully Mark Mark Hoppus is cancer free. Hope he stays that way. Knock on wood, and hopefully maybe 2022 we get some new Blink music. But yeah, they've become my favorite band this year. Never been able to confidently say any band has been my favorite band, but I think I can say that about Blink now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, again, Mark Hoppus, we're glad that you're better, and yes. we hope that you stay cancer free. I do. I do hope. I think Christian from Wingers has talked about it a couple times. I hope we get a mega reunion where where Tom rejoins the band, even if it's just for like a tour and we get, we get everybody together. I would, I would gladly go see that if it, if it came to Kansas city, hopefully that happens. I don't think it will, at least not soon. Eventually I think it will in some capacity, they will play on stage together in some form or fashion at some point. I think I'm pretty confident in that. I I think they will eventually at least play a show together or like do, do something special at some point together. They, I, I think they, in some capacity, they'll work together. I don't know if they'll reform the band outright, but they'll do something. Yeah, that seems very likely. And then rounding out just the last couple of things that I wanted to mention, I'm going to label this as books, but it's really just a book and then a comic book because um, I didn't read a whole lot this year. But 
Dave Grohl's book, fantastic. Doing it with the audiobook just adds another level to it. Um, hearing it from the man himself, I love that book. It's fantastic. I'm very glad that I own it. And then for comics, I'm well, hold going on, to... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. Guess who else has been reading that book? You have, buddy boy. I have. I am, I think, 60 pages in. I'm not too far. Um, Every few days, I'll read a chapter or two. Like, it's not... I'm not much of a reader. I haven't been for a couple of years since uh, probably in high school sometime, really. But yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this so far. I like his writing style. I think he does. I mean, as the title of Storyteller would suggest, he does paint a good picture of everything. And I like that it's not chronological necessarily. He kind of jumps back and forth with thematic ideas, uh, focusing on a chapter on a certain event in his life or stuff like that. Um, I got to the part where he tells the story of how he broke his leg on stage and kept playing the show. Uh, that was cool. I did. I did know that that happened, but I didn't know all the details of it. I just like going back and forth and sort of getting an idea on who he was at every point in his life. And obviously the juiciest stuff is yet to come, but I'm looking forward to it. I imagine by next episode, I'll report back with a lot more to say about it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And then for comics, I'm going to go with drumroll, please. But Hawkeye, I'm calling it. Uh, no, the me you love in the dark. This was a well. I'm not going to mention Hawkeye. Hawkeye was all the way in 2012. There haven't been there hasn't been any new Hawkeye. Since I mean, 2012? there has, but there hasn't been a current run going on, so okay. I'm not going to mention it. Okay. It was a five issue psychological um, thriller run that was about this girl who is a artist and sort of trying to go through her living in this house and trying to find new inspiration for what she's trying to do and what ends up happening is that there's something there that keeps calling to her that she's attracted to but as we get deeper and deeper into the book it sort of reveals itself in its full glory I guess is the word mm -hmm. um it's really short it's only five issues I thought it was a great run the art on it was really good I would not be surprised if this ends up becoming like a Netflix show or a movie one day because of just how relatable and simple it is because quite honestly it's very simple it's I guess a love story to say the least but it's something that I definitely could see Netflix or whoever turning it into a movie or a tv show the book was written by Scotty Young so if that means anything to comic book fans uh read it it's good I recommend it I've never heard of it so you have enlightened me today hopefully you enlighten some other people I, I sure hope I do. Looking forward to Good Boy. That comes out. I got the confirmation that my first two issues have shipped. Good Boy. I'm telling you guys, that's going to be a thing next year. <laughs> Look out for that one. But I think we've made it onto movies. Yeah. So how do you want to do this? I have a list. I'm not I don't know if I'm going to go through it. like in order. I did. I did kind of just kind of pick my top 10. I didn't put them in a particular order. I don't think. Yeah, I don't have a list. I'm just looking at my letterbox and then I'm going to talk about films that I enjoyed in the year. Um, I guess I have like a top three. Well, I have a couple movies that I definitely want to talk about, but most of them were just OK. And I don't think that I need to talk about them much. There was a lot of OK and pretty good stuff this year. There is very there are very few movies. I mean, 2020 kind of had the same. Uh, for obvious reasons, but even this year, there are very few movies that like really broke through to me. I would say not even everything on my top 10 I found to be blow away, which some years I have everything was blow away, and some years are like this, where maybe five or six of them I would say that I thought were like absolutely fantastic. 
Uh, some years just don't have all those. And there's a lot I haven't seen. I still have yeah. probably five, at least five movies that I do want to see from 2021 that either I have to pay to rent and they're too much for me to want to pay right now, or I just haven't gotten to them yet. So I definitely have not seen everything I want to see. I know that there was at least three that I didn't see, which were Come On, Come On, Licorice Pizza, and French Dispatch. Those are three that I didn't get to see that I wanted to. Sadly, because I, I'll just say it, um, I I got covid so i couldn't <laughs> go see licorice pizza over the yeah, Christmas you're going to. break yeah i was planning on it and then i got the vid so i wasn't able to go see licorice pizza and then uh come on come on was already out of theaters when i wanted to see it and the same thing with french dispatch but that was also because i was in the middle of school and i didn't have a car i have my friend has a car that i sometimes use but i didn't want to overuse it so I was not able to see those three films. I'm sure there are others in 2021 that I didn't get to see that I wanted to see. But those are the three that stood out uh, for me personally. Yeah, I've seen all of them. I think they're all great. Come on, come on is uh, pretty good. I would say I don't know if I'd quite call it great. Um, but spoiler alert for uh, my top 10 the upcoming Licorice Pizza and French Dispatch are both really damn good. So, yeah, I guess I'll start with okay. my list since it's pretty simple. One of them I'm going to say right now you won't agree with just because you don't think it should be considered a movie, but I'm going to say it oh is. Oh, boy. Here we um, go. Um, starting off, we're just going to start from the year and then just go forward. Judas and the Black Messiah. I really loved that film. I know that you're kind of so-so on it. Not so-so. You think it's pretty good. Yeah, I would say pretty don't. good. Performances are really good. As a movie, I don't think it fully comes together. Yeah, for me, it does. I really loved the story of everything, and I found it really interesting. I liked Keith Stanfield in it. I think I thought he was great, and I think both of the two leads. And I don't think there is a lead in supporting. I think they're both the leads of the film. So, recommend that one. A film that is not great, but that I saw multiple times that I love just watching, Godzilla vs. Kong. That oh, yeah. film goes go. so hard. This Let's movie, talk about some cinema. Yeah, I saw this movie, I think, three times in one week. Um, oh, man. This movie goes hard. It I does. have enjoyed every time that I've seen this movie. It's by no means uh, cinema, as some would yes, say. I don't yes, care. Yes, it is. I don't is. care. I love seeing Giant Monkey beat Giant Lizard, and it is yes. so good. It's so yeah. enjoyable. And for the record, Team Monkey all the way. Team Monkey, exactly. You and we me are, are both Team, team Monkey. Monkey. Here. Yes. Yeah. Look, I love me a big lizard. I got the big Criterion uh, Godzilla set for Christmas. I love that big guy. But Team Monkey, man, especially in those movies, Team Monkey, he's so yeah. cool. I think I think Kong does have the better story in both movies, in this one and Kong Skull Island. I like yeah. Skull Island more than I like the Godzilla films. I do um, too. And I like that this one, in my opinion, takes more from Skull Island than it does uh, King of the Monsters. It, it takes some from King of the Monsters, but I felt like this one was much more in line with Skull Island, personally. Yeah, I, I would feel the same way. I think aesthetically, I like the look of the Godzilla movies better. But otherwise, I think those movies, just in terms of storytelling, they both falter. And Skull Island's not particularly great either. But it at least understands what you're there for. And I think it does a good job of that. And uh, Godzilla vs. Kong doesn't overstay its welcome either. I think it's like an hour 53, which is like perfect. Yeah, it, it was a nice breeze. I'm going to skip over kind of the middle of the year and i'll because i'm gonna come back to those ones later mm. uh malignant this movie listen i know people don't <laughs> like it i know people think it's schlock and that it's bad 
this i think was my favorite movie experience of this year just watching it with my friend in our apartment and just going what is happening right now (laughs) i love this movie it is so campy it's so bad if that makes sense it's not so good at being bad it's so good at being bad exactly i have a great time with this movie i don't like horror but i did like the turn that this one does because it is Mm -hmm. just very james wan again i understand why people don't like it i don't think i would recommend this to a lot of people but for me oh my god sign me up this is the same thing as godzilla versus kong i will watch this movie for that end fight specifically in the police station oh (laughs) cinema the chair the chair the chair oh the chair cinema yeah, I I've, I only saw it the one time, and like I really dug it for the schlock it was. I I'm not sure how long it took me to realize that the movie was just schlock. Maybe like half hour. I think it's the I, that famous scene that keeps happening on Twitter where the song kicks in after <laughs> after the reveal. I won't say if you've seen the movie or if you haven't seen the movie, but yeah, after that reveal, then the the it's either a zoom out or a zoom in. I think it's a big zoom out from a shocked face as the music kicks into in. a house. Yeah. Yep. I used that song for an editing project that I did this year, (laughs) and I got an A on that project. That's right. So that song is good. And then I guess the end of the year, before I get into my favorite films, favorite things that I saw in the year, um, Encanto was really good. I liked it. I don't think I like it as much as I like Moana. Well, I don't know. The more that I've thought about it, the more that I like it and what it has to say. Well, I can't spoil it because you haven't seen it, but... I like what it has to say. That's on, that's um, on my want to see list. Yes, I like what it has to say, especially about Latin house, households. Um, it's very good. And then Spider-Man No Way Home, I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Um, you can go listen to our previous episode to hear my full thoughts on it. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I like it. And I know that's the opposite for Nick. But for me, it worked. I enjoyed it for what it was. And that's that. Now, we get into... What I guess is one, two, three, four. My top, well, five. My top five of the year. Coming okay. in at number five because it's not technically a movie. Inside by Bo Burnham. I love Inside. I liked it the first two times that I saw it, but then as the year kept going on, the more that it really just sat with me and the more that it affected me and the more I thought about the last two years of my life having been inside and sort of the ideas of... Hey guys, we all went through shit. We all spent the last two years of our life cooped up in our rooms 100% of the time on the internet, for for most people, um, just on the internet, looking at the world burn around us, and we come out of it in some way completely changed. And for me, it worked. I've always liked Bo Burnham and his style. It's just sat with me throughout the entire year, and for me, that means that it was a good um, ride and that I enjoyed it. So that's what I will say about Inside. It was, I, th- I think it is my number two technically, but because it's not a movie, I'm not going to put it there. All I will say is I think he's better just as a performer or just as like a writer-director. I don't like the specials, but I like the movies he's directed and the, and the acting he's done. I want him to do one of those things more than I want to see another special. Specials are not for me. Yeah, but you also don't like stand-up. And it's not, stand- it's not traditional stand-up, no. but you don't like that format as a whole. Yeah, no. Coming in at number four. Hmm. This is tough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. You still with, haven't decided, huh? Yeah. Number four. I'm going to go with the Mitchells versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. This is a great Sony animated film. 
um, which is really weird because Sony is kind of 50-50 with stuff they produce. Sometimes you get good stuff like Mitchell's vs. the Machines and Into the Spider-Verse, and sometimes you get the Emoji Movie. But Mitchell's vs. <laughs> the Machines, it's good. It's it's a little bit longer than I think it needs to be. I think you can cut yeah. about 10 minutes from this movie. At but least. Yeah, at least. It goes, the ending drags a bit for me personally. But I like the family. There's a pug in there, so it's automatically got a bonus point for me because <laughs> a pug is my favorite dog. But just sort of relating to Katie as a filmmaker going to college and what it means for the family, what it means to leave your family and sort of find a new group and community to be friends with. I really just loved what that has to say and the relationship between Katie and the dad I really bought into and I loved. I think the cast is really good. The only one that I can actually think of off the top of my head is Maya Rudolph, but everyone else in the movie was good. Um, I enjoyed it very much. This is one that I probably will be picking up the Blu-ray for when that releases. Oh, wait, it's already out. I saw it at Target. So I might go pick this up soon. But Mitchell's vs. the Machines, I, I give it a good thumbs up. I like the style. It's kooky. Um, yeah, I thought I liked it when I saw it. I think I loved loved the first like half of it. And then that, that ending dragged so much to me that it brought it down quite a bit. Um, yeah, it's enjoyable. It's not a classic to me or anything. Like so a bunch of people we know love this movie and I don't swear by it in the same way, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's no Spider-Verse for me personally, but I think it was my favorite animated that I saw this year, which I didn't see a whole lot of animated films, but it's one that I would recommend to people. Mm -hmm. All right. Number three, The Novice. That's a punt. Oh, wait, wrong show. Sorry. <laughs> this is uh, this is Nick's favorite movie. Well, I won't say. Well, I guess I spoiled it. You spoiled it, bro. <laughs> spoiled it. But I, we've talked about this before. The Novice. Not on the show. I think we have talked about it on the show. Um, I think we might have mentioned it in passing. We haven't had like an in-depth discussion about it. Mm. The Novice. This was a really good movie. Yeah, I'll let Nick talk about it more in depth, but I enjoyed it very much. I really love the editing of this film in particular. It has oh, yeah. a good story. I think it takes a little bit to get used to this character and sort of start rooting for her. But when you do, you really start to root for her. But as a whole, I did enjoy The Novice. I would put it at my number three. Number two. I just saw this film today. The answer's Pig. Okay. Pig went really hard, man. Didn't it? I, I love Pig. It reminded me of Chef in a lot of ways. And the reason oh, why yeah. I say like, like it's not like, just, not, yeah, no, yeah. I, because we had a friend, Kat, um, she was talking about like, oh, give us a film that's lighthearted. I'm like, pig. And Nick's like, what? She said lighthearted. In all honesty, it's a sweet, endearing film. It's not it too is. harsh. At its core it is, but I think in terms of what you actually see, it's kind of depressing. It's depressing, yes, because of what it has to say specifically about I think just about being creative, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. a lot of what he talks about, specifically, there's one scene where he's talking to another chef. Yeah. That scene was like, you could just replace chef or food and say movies or TV mm -hmm. or music, and it would just be as impactful. I really love the performance from Nicolas Cage in this movie. There's, yep. um, there's a scene towards the end that I was like, damn, I felt that. And there's very minimal sound in that scene, and it just really hits you because you go through mm -hmm. this entire movie being with him and i love the conversation afterwards where you sort of find out why everything's been so important to him and it just hits on so many levels i think alex wolf was a good companion to me too to nick cage i thought they worked really well together it's not um a companion that i thought 
would have fit together but no, seeing I, it I i'm like not this at first but yeah, yeah but by the end of it i'm like oh no i really love this so pig is my number two of the year yeah i think alex wolf uh, we'll just talk about it now pigs also i think my number two it's like my two or three or four like they're kind of interchangeable yeah but we can talk about it now um alex wolf i think has the clearest arc of anybody in that movie from where he starts to where he ends up he definitely um, does yeah, and like it took a while for that character to grow on me, and that's intentional. But I, but also, I was like, I just don't know if I enjoy watching this this guy. But he grew on me throughout the movie. Just the whole movie, I've been excited to see it for months. But even so, I was surprised at how much it still kept growing on me and growing on me and growing on me. There is a cooking montage near the end of this movie that is one of the scenes from this year that is going to stick with me more than anything. I keep thinking about the cooking montage near the end of the movie. It just hit me in such a way. Like, just remind me how beautiful movies can be. I know that's the, that's a sappy sounding thing to say, but it really did. And like Nicolas Cage, I can't give him enough credit for this movie. People make fun of Nicolas Cage for meme reasons and because sometimes he does bad movies to get a paycheck, but he can be good. Like he can be really good when he wants to and when he's given something that he can thrive, that given a script that he can really thrive with. And I think this is one that he really, really thrives. Yeah, to quote Nick, God, I fucking love when movies look and feel like movies. Oh, and then, yeah. And then another one, um, this film gives me life. I, I yes. love this movie. It is great. Everyone should go watch Pig. It's on Hulu right now. And then my number one movie of the year is... I wonder what it is. I've seen it 14 times in the Heights, baby. In the Heights. 14. <laughs> not even joking. This isn't a beam or anything like that. Um, yeah, in the Heights. It was always going to be my number one of the year just for personal reasons for what it means to me what the story of in the heights means to me what the original musical means to me what even lynn means to me i know that people are like over lynn and stuff which is perfectly fine but for me seeing someone with the power to create these stories and then using them to tell them in a way that's good and that we aren't stereotypes of gangs or or you know dangerous people like a certain movie released this year anything like that it was just a joyful film of celebration and celebrating community latin community latin heritage what it means to be a latino born in the united states what it means to carry a name what it means to carry the oh it's just beautiful for me personally and it just spoke to me on every level i've always loved the music i definitely have a bias but i don't care it's my list it's my favorite film of the year it's one that i bought on 4k blu-ray in the rain walked home and then <laughs> watched it that night like it is my favorite movie of the year i will always defend this movie i will go to bat for this movie i know i hear the arguments about the colorism i am completely with you there i get that but at the same time, it's something that for me, and only me, and this is just my personal opinion, and I never want to take this away from anyone or anyone's opinions, for me, I got what I wanted out of the film, and I got the story that I wanted, even with the changes to the script and not getting more of Benny and Nina, which I really loved in the original play, or getting Nina's mom, may she rest in peace, taken out of the <laughs> God film. God rest her soul. God rest her soul. For me, this movie was just everything that I wanted. Watched it with one of my best friends the day of, and we were both sobbing in the theater. Music, I think performance of the year goes to Abuela for me because of Pacencia y Fe. That song goes so hard in the transitions and just when she hits that note at the very end of the movie and all the symbolism in that song. Oh my God, it is 
fantastic. It's my movie of the year. I don't think this was a surprise to anyone. Everyone go out and watch it. It's great. I don't think I've watched any movie 14 times in my life. And you watched it 14 times in a few months. Yeah, I watched it, I think, nine times before it got taken off of HBO Max. (laughs) I've seen it three times. I watched it three times in like two months. Two of those were watch alongs with with you guys and uh, winger commentary. I just can't watch a movie that much. I don't know how you do it. I'm glad you enjoy something that much that you feel like you can't do it, but I cannot do that. I get tired of things too easily. Anyway, my number 10 of the year is In the Heights. Hey, um, In the Heights. It made it in. I don't, there was something I might, honestly, I might have missed uh, my number 10 somewhere, but I think this should still slide into the list. I was looking through my 2021 and I think, I think it's, let's, let's make it official. It's going to be number 10. Malignant was a tough cut. Malignant was probably number 11 or Belfast, um, which I really liked Belfast, but it didn't quite make it. In the Heights was surprisingly good. I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. I had seen, I think I had seen Hamilton by the time I saw In the Heights, and like, I liked it, I had the annoyances that I knew I would have, and I figured In the Heights would be the same, which it was, um, but I found the characters all endearing, it was enjoyable, it does feel like it feels like a play, and that you've just kind of got people coming in and out of each other's lives, even though obviously it's on more than one set here, um, but it's just, it's just enjoyable, I like the songs, I, I did buy the vinyl, I was able to get it for really cheap, because I had some store credit at Vintage Stock, Again, just surprised at how much I liked it. I don't think going into the year, I thought that this would be in my top 10. Sort of disappointed it didn't do better. I know you're obviously more disappointed than I am. Um, I think by, as we're seeing this entire year by the performance of WB movies, I think it's just the HUM Max business model did not work for him as they hoped it would. Um, and Or maybe there just wasn't that much interest in a lot of their stuff this year. I really can't say definitively. But yeah, it, it sucks that it didn't do a little better. But it was good. I think you'll agree it was good. I will agree that it was good, and I am, you know, disappointed that it didn't do as well, but I, musicals this year in general didn't do well, which I didn't mention this, but this was a really good year for musical movies in the fact that we got a lot of them. Not I was going to say, it was a year of quantity no, for musical movies. No, yes. The fact that we got <laughs> so many musical movies, and then we also got a musical TV show on Apple TV that a lot of people liked, and I think is getting a second season, but don't quote me on that, that being of Schmigadoon. But we had In the Heights, Dear Evan Hansen, everyone's talking about Jamie, West Side Story, and Canto. Tick, tick, boom. Don't forget tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom was also out. So this was a big year for movie musicals in general, and I'm glad that you at least liked one of them. I actually liked another one. It didn't make the top 10, but I will bring up I did see West Side Story because uh, my mom is a massive fan of the original West Side Story, so I took her to see it uh, as a Christmas gift. And it is immaculately made. I honestly would call the first hour of this movie a 10 out of 10. Like like Spielberg just, hey, he's pretty good. I don't know if you know that. He knows what he's doing behind the camera. And you can tell with every frame of this movie. And I I think other than um, <laughs> other than the lead, who objectively, but uh, ignoring everything else for a second, he's just whatever. He's mediocre as hell. He's the least interesting part of the movie. Uh, in a movie full of good performances, he's also there. He brings the movie down. And I think after the first hour, he still got some chemistry uh, with his co-star, Rachel Ziegler, I think is her name. Ziegler. Um, Ziegler. Yeah, they're good together. Otherwise, he's just a total block of nothingness. Um, but everyone else in the movie does great work. There's a few actors I think are going to break out. She's one of them. Ariana DeBose. Ariana DeBose was was Anita. Um, it's funny, my, my mom... Five minutes after my mom said she thought she was uh, just okay, I saw that she's the leading supporting actress uh, nominee 
in all the awards so far this year. Uh, so that was kind of funny to, to see back to back. Uh, she was good. I don't know if she's like award worthy for me, but I'm sure she'll get some work out of this. And I don't remember his name, but the actor who's the leader of the Mike, well, uh, the white people or the Puerto Ricans, the white people. I can't remember who's the Jets and who's the Sharks. <laughs> Mike Feist. He plays Riff. Yes. Yeah, he's great. And I, I, I'm sure he'll get more work coming out of this. I honestly thought he was Ty Sheridan for like half the movie. Uh, he's not Ty Sheridan. Uh, but either way, I hope he gets more work because he was really good. Like yeah. everyone's really good here. Spielberg is in his bag. He directs the hell out of this entire movie. But I think it's got the same problems that the original movie has to me, which is that it's so fucking long. And the last 45 minutes are just a drag for me. Just almost unbearably. Unbearably so. Yeah. And now, they really brought the movie down. Now, Nick, uh, what popular musical did mike feist i don't want to say like make a name for himself but what was the popular musical where a lot of people saw mike feist for the first time oh no time? oh it couldn't have been say it oh no who was he he was was he uh, connor he was connor murphy on broadway for dear Evan i'm Hansen. sorry to hear that <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just sorry to hear that no mike feist he's great I haven't seen the film, but I like a lot of the cast um, in that film. And I'm glad that they got this opportunity to be in this big budget film. And reading and seeing all the reviews that I saw, everyone said that they were the standouts for obvious reasons. Because yeah. it's not just being able to act in in a movie. It's being able to act, sing, dance in a movie that's a remake of... I, I think it was, for the longest time, the film with the most Oscar nominations and wins. And then being able to stand toe-to-toe to, A, those performances, but B, that story really just shows the caliber of performers in this film. So, like, you talk about, like, oh, I thought she was just fine as Anita. I also, you know, try to remember, hey, she was going up against Rita Moreno, who was in yeah. the original, and she's in this one. Um, mm-hmm. And she not only has to act, but she has to sing, she has to dance, and she has to put on an accent, which accents are a big thing in that movie that me and my parents are kind of like eh about which we were me and my family in, in general are kind of eh about that movie um, i don't think this will convince you otherwise i don't think anything no. in this movie will convince you otherwise no it won't. but i think i think you'll appreciate the filmmaking when you want if and when you watch it yeah if nothing else because like i guess the, my, my remake test that i do especially when it's an all-time classic that's being remade like this is does this movie justify its existence? And I think if you're watching purely as a filmmaking person, like I said, he directs the hell out of this movie in that sense. Like I might watch it again. Again, he's just awesome. Spielberg is just awesome throughout this movie. Um, But otherwise the movie doesn't do anything. I think to convince me that it had to exist. And I'm just, it's especially unfortunate to me that like, you know, he doesn't have that many movies left and this is something he chose to do. I wish he had chosen another path, but you know, that is what it is. I would still overall recommend it. Um, If you have your reservations about the movie for whatever reason, I don't think anything about this movie will dissuade you from that. Yep. But it wasn't on your top 10. On to number nine. (laughs) Number nine. We've got Manny's favorite movie of the year. We've got No Time to Die. I really like No Time to Die. Uh, I talked about it at length with Bobby on the show a couple months ago, so I don't need to go into it further here, but I did see it a second time in theaters, the first movie I've ever seen uh, multiple times in theaters. I I liked it just about as much then. I bought the 4K last week. I'll probably pop it in in the next couple weeks, watch it again. That'll be, that'll not in the heights level, but I'm sure of all the movies from 2021, that's probably going to end up being the movie I see the most, just watching it again and again. It's not perfect. It's like a four-star movie for me. There's a lot of stuff I don't like in it. Uh, Rami Malek, I don't love in it. And everything happening with his character. But it made me 
like it just made me feel a lot like I felt delighted in some sequences. I felt sad in others. It just worked overall for me, even though it cuts some corners. Um, but I know you have nothing to say about it, so I will move on. And I've talked about the movie enough. Number eight, I talked about it uh, last time on the show, Nightmare Alley from Guillermo del Toro. Lost a little bit of luster for me over time, but I still think it's really good. Again, I think this was a movie I that you used my quote from earlier where I said, I love when movies look and feel like movies. It looks great. You've got a lot of really good actors in there all doing really good work. You've got a director who knows what he's doing. Um, it feels almost clinical in that sense. Like it's just everybody doing good work. And yeah, I don't know how much I'll watch this one back, but it's really good. Number seven. And I might actually put this one higher over time. We'll see how a second viewing does. But The Last Duel by Ridley Scott, the damn millennials, they tanked this movie, Manny. Yeah, the millennials. Come on. Fucking my millennials on your phones. Guys, it's all go about out the millennials, go, baby. Go out and, it's all about the millennials. It's not about the money, Spider-Man. <laughs> it's about the millennials. Go millennials. Let's go millennials. Uh, yeah, the millennials killed this movie. There's there's no nothing else explaining why this movie was a failure, whether it deserved it or not, which I don't think it did from what it I hear. Not. But, um, there, you know, no other reason other than millennials being on their phones, not wanting to go mm -hmm. out to movies. There's not like there was a pandemic or mutations or um, subject matter, or bad marketing, or the fact that you have two movies releasing the same year competing with one another. I, I don't know what it could have been. I don't know what it could have been. It could have been maybe all those factors. Who knows? Um, bottom line, this movie's really fucking good. It's good Ridley Scott. I mean, Ridley Scott's good. He's really, really good. The other Ridley Scott movie did not make my list this year. Uh, didn't didn't make yours, I guess. Very sad to hear. F in the chat for Jared Leto. But yeah, The Last Duel, I'm I figured I'd like it, but I was, again, surprised how much I liked it. It teeters on being repetitive with the way the movie is structured um, because it's telling stories from different characters' points of view um, as you're getting very, you're getting their truths, I guess. The, yeah, the, it's the Rashomon style yeah, of telling the yeah, story. Yeah, it's, it's Rashomon. I think I saw someone say it's Dirtbag Rashomon, which is just a great description. Um, yeah, that perspective thing is what keeps the movie fresh, uh, even though they're retreading the same scenes. And then you get three different perspectives. And then the actual titular duel is a fantastic, brutal action scene at the end of the movie. It's just good. Like, every again, clinical, I think, is the word here. Everybody's doing good work here. Um, ben Affleck and Matt Damon, they don't write that many scripts together. But when they do, it's apparently really damn good. I still haven't seen Gobo Hunching, I'm sorry to say. But those two writing something together. And they had a, I can't remember her name, but they had a, they had a third writer who uh, co-wrote it with them. Um, I wish I could remember her name right now. Let me, actually, let me look it up. I have the letterbox right here. I want to give her some credit. While he looks up that... All right, guys, go watch Good Will Hunting. It's good, okay? It's not your fault. That's all I'm going to say. It's Good Will Hunting. It's... Uh, pull a block. Good no, Will Hunting. I refuse. It's a great film. It's good. I think it might even be free on YouTube or something like that. It's either that it's or on, Dead Poets It's Society. on some service. Yeah, the Good Will Hunting. It's a good movie. Go watch it. Matt Damon... And, I plan to watch it this year sometime. Yeah, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. They're good in it. Yeah. Uh, so Nicole Holofsener, I think, is her name. Um, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, this is the only movie I've seen from her, but she also wrote Can You Ever Forgive Me a couple of years ago and Enough Said, which was uh, James Gandolfini's last movie uh, before he passed away. Uh, so I haven't seen any of those, but this, those are her other big credits. And her she did a great job on this one, along with Affleck and Damon. Can't recommend Last Duel enough. I don't know. Uh, Disney technically owns it, so they might end up. I assume they'll end up dropping it in a Hulu at some point. Uh, it's on disney it, plus star uh, outside of the u.s so yeah but we're in the u.s Manny. i know we'll never see this movie on any of I the know. streaming services <laughs> we're the damn millennials hey i paid to see that movie ridley 
funny that we someone shared a tweet in our discord uh yesterday i think of you know movie's going to be good when it's you and five other senior citizens that was my last dual screening that was me and five other senior citizens um that's the target demo for the movie is film nerds and old people and i think it satisfied both those demographics uh moving on my six through two could all be interchangeable really i have fluctuated this over and over again this is where i'm currently landing in at based on totally on pure personal enjoyment uh, so number six we've got the french dispatch from wes anderson i watched his entire filmography in 2021 there's a handful i had not seen there's a handful i had already seen um but he's become he might be my favorite active filmmaker he's definitely one of my favorites of all time but i think he's probably my favorite active filmmaker and he's just doing more wes anderson here but it's all really good it's got three main separate stories it's got his usual collaborators all over it but it's got some new some new blood um benicio del toro does does some great work francis mcdormand i think she's been in she was at least in moonrise kingdom i don't know what else she's been in as far as west goes uh, but she's great in her section of the movie but the standout for me is jeffrey wright in the third section of the movie he gives one of my favorite performances of the year um, it's just delightful, but I think that that third story of the three is my favorite. When you can watch French Dispatch, definitely watch French uh, French Dispatch. I know some people, Wes Anderson is not their thing, which I get, but he's my thing. <laughs> that sounded weird. Um, I love Wes Anderson movies, and this was this was a good one. Number five, we've got the movie that you sadly could not see, which is Licorice Pizza. I think I said in my review, the stuff that people are skeptical about with this movie, I understand, and I kind of felt that way at times. It doesn't doesn't bring down the fact that I thought this might have been the most fun I had watching a movie this entire year. Alana Haim and uh, Cooper Hoffman have amazing chemistry together. They are an absolute delight to watch on screen every time. Honestly, the opening scene between them might might be my favorite of the entire movie. They're just delightful together, and they're delightful through the entire movie. The movie's got a lot of good stuff to discuss at the backdrop of some political unrest happening, uh, a gas crisis, among other things, and. It's a, it's about maturity, I would say, um, about how Cooper Hoffman's character is more mature than his age would suggest, or at least he really wants to be, and how um, Alana Haim's character has been kind of stuck in a rut. She's you know she's older, she's an adult, but she feels like she hasn't moved on past childhood yet. It explores a lot of good stuff. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was another director whose filmography I almost watched in the entirety of in 2021. The only movie from him I haven't seen is Magnolia, uh, but I've become a big fan of him. He doesn't always hit for me. Uh, but this was one that definitely, definitely hit. Uh, so number four, we're in the top four now. Uh, number four, I have The Card Counter by Paul Schrader. Do you know anything about The Card Counter? This is the Oscar Isaac one. Poker. Mm -hmm. Gambling. Uh, yeah, that is the backdrop of the movie. Uh, so Paul Schrader, this is the only directed movie I've seen from him. I've seen Taxi Driver, which he wrote uh, with Scorsese. Written and directed a lot of movies kind of in this similar vein. Um, he's also got a hell of a Facebook presence, if you don't know about Paul Schrader's Facebook presence. Um, he's got some takes, he said some things, uh, but when that man makes a movie, I swear, he's just... He's on point, and this movie was on point for me. Um, it's got a lot of stuff to say about the military-industrial complex. It's got a lot of stuff to say about the use of torture as an interrogation tactic um, and what happens to the peop the soldiers who have to do the torturing, how they're affected by that, um, just how those tactics affect the people that are being tortured and the people that have to do it, and the lack of humanity at the core of the people who decide that that's a good tactic to use. Um, there's a lot to explore there, and they use poker as sort of a parallel to all of that. Um, the poker scenes are great. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Hard Eight, which is PTA's first movie, um, where you sort of have a mentor and uh, and a pupil kind of going through the the 
low stakes poker ranks there's there's more to this one than that uh but yeah i just love this one from start to finish oscar isaac is fantastic gives one of my favorite performances of the year uh for whatever this is worth it's my favorite ty sheridan performance i don't usually like him but i think he's pretty good here uh tiffany haddish is really good um she's someone who i don't always like either um she's got a good relationship with oscar isaac there's one mesmerizing scene just beautifully shot beautifully lit where they're walking through like a sea of christmas lights and it's just visually mesmerizing probably one of my favorite sequences of the year nick calling anything christmas related mesmerizing hey Jeez. it looks cool sometimes it does i like me some christmas lights okay me too okay yeah card counter is really good i would recommend it it's not for everybody but i would still say it's worth seeing i didn't know how i would feel about it and i fell on the positive end of it so i don't know how everyone else will feel about it but i would still say to see it because i think it does have a lot of lot of stuff to say so number three we got a movie that at some points was on like was like number six number seven for me i've seen it twice now i liked it less the second time but i still put it this highly because i do love it ultimately matrix resurrections this was for the last few months of the year my most anticipated movie as soon as i watched the matrix trilogy a few weeks a few weeks few months ago whenever time is a time is meaningless um but i was excited for resurrections and I was really happy with this in the theater was one of my one of my favorite theater experiences because um, I stayed away from all the marketing material about this movie. I didn't want to know anything. Uh, the first act is awesome. There's a lot of meta stuff going on. It's very surface level <laughs> in some ways, like Warner Brothers is literally mentioned in this movie. But the meta stuff ties back into Neo's character. I think this might be my favorite uh, Keanu Reeves performance, um, especially dramatically. It's at its core, it's about the relationship between Neo and Trinity. Um, Carrie Amos and Keanu Reeves have such an easy chemistry with each other. They're just delightful, even before even before the movie properly gets going. You see these characters interact, and you just know there's a spark there of some kind. And it's just really endearing. I've heard stories about how uh, Lana Wachowski lost her parents and her best friend uh, in a very short time after each other. And that that's what finally gave her the inspiration to write this movie, because and as the movie addresses, they've been hounding her for years to make another movie um, and she didn't want to. The idea wasn't there. She didn't want it to just be a cash grab. And she said that Neo, she couldn't have her parents, but she could have Neo and Trinity back. So she wrote the movie with that idea in mind. And she wrote another character, her motivation uh, from seeing a suicide attempt at one point in the movie. That one I did see. Yeah, it calls back to her own her own suicide attempt that uh, she literally got talked down the ledge from. And that amount of heart going into the movie, going into a big movie like this, is something you really don't see that much of anymore. So that really stuck with me and dared me to it. Um, there are some characters in here that aren't as you remember them, and some people aren't on board with that, which I understand. But I really like the pivot that they made. Um, just top to bottom, I'm kind of in love with this movie even if it's got a lot of imp imperfections but i just i love a lot of what this movie has to say i love keanu reeves i love carrie on moss i hope we get another one but this movie did not do well so i don't know how soon we will i imagine they will go back to this well at some point we'll see how soon that is and we'll see if it's as effective as this movie was but this movie just hit for me number two is pig which we already talked about i don't think we need to go too much further into that uh, again all all these can fluctuate at some point but my number one of the year, as you talked about, is The Novice. So I saw this movie six months ago, back in June, I think. Um, so I had a virtual pass to the Tribeca Film Festival this year, and I saw a lot of good shorts, a lot of good features. And this was the last movie I watched on the last day. And it was my favorite movie of the whole festival easily. And it's been my favorite movie of the year ever since then. And I've been waiting 
six months to watch it again and i'm waiting another week or two for it to be available to buy digitally so i can buy it because uh, i don't want to rent it and then have to buy it because i'm gonna i know i'm gonna buy it anyway so i'm waiting very patiently to watch it again because i don't see it getting a physical release because it's been so small uh i hope it does and if it does ever get put on criterion or something then i'll be buying that day one this was the movie i said made me feel alive that you alluded to earlier the editing, the sound design, it just moves. It just moves perfectly. There's an energy to this movie, and it's not a good energy for most of it, but there's just an energy to this that is infectious in a way that just draws me in, and I can't stop watching. She's uh, one of my favorite characters this year, played by Isabel Furman from Orphan way back in the day. And also um, Hunger Games. Right. We discovered this the other night. Yeah, she gives probably my favorite performance of anybody this entire year. Like, she is so driven... And I think it's driven by anxiety, anxiety, a lot of it. Uh, but she's so driven as a character and you don't root for her a lot of the time because she alienates everyone around her with the way she is. But ultimately, especially in the final sequence, you're, you're ultimately kind of rooting for her just so you can hope against hope that all this. I don't know. I don't know how best to describe it, but just all of the all that, of the work that was put in throughout the well, incident. not just all the work, but like all the bullshit she's had to put everyone around her through yeah. because of her own because she can't get out of her own way with her own obsession. You're hoping it at least pays off for her in some in some form or fashion. Uh, that final sequence, especially again, made me feel alive. Like I I haven't been able to stop thinking about this movie for months. I need to see it again because I'm not as refreshed on it as I would like to be before talking about it on here. Again, an energy to this. That's that's what I can't get over. If, if your movie has a great energy to it, I'm probably going to like it, along with good performances, and this movie has both of those in spades. Yeah, just fantastic filmmaking. Lauren Hathaway, the director, shout out to her. She was a sound designer on the Justice League movies. Well, I guess technically whatever we want to call Justice League and on Whiplash. Whiplash, um, baby. And, Nick still hasn't yeah, seen that movie. It's fantastic. I still haven't seen Whiplash, but I've heard the sound design in Whiplash is really good, so shout out to her once again. Um yeah, I can't wait to see what she makes next. I'm very curious, and I hope it's whatever she does comes sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, I, I, like I said, I recommend The Novice. I will say, before you get into it, trigger warning, self-harm. I don't think, it's not a spoiler, but be aware that is in the film. Um, yes. That was something that I was not expecting. Um, well, I kind of was expecting it, um, but it still caught me off guard. So just be aware, if you do watch the film, there is... There's no trigger warning beforehand, but we're giving it to you here. Trigger warning, there is um, some self-harm, so just be aware of that. Yes. But that's my that's my number one. That's what I've got. I think that's it. Um, I, I forgot to mention I forgot to mention Dune. I, I love Dune. I saw it twice. I know that some people weren't as in love with it as I was. I love the film. It'd probably Hello, be like me. my yeah, it's you. You are. Um <laughs> but but no, you aren't the only person. A lot of a lot of people are like, yeah, it's good. It just wasn't great. And I completely get that. For me, it's that thing of I love the world. I love the sci-fi that it's telling. I love a lot of the stuff in the film. So I can look over uh, certain things the same way that like I can go back and watch some Star Wars stuff and be like, yeah, this isn't this isn't fantastic, but I'm invested in what's happening. So I, I liked it. Um, but yeah, Dune, that's another one that I really loved this year. So, yeah, um, honorable mentions for me. I'm looking back through uh, Belfast. I think I mentioned was a tough cut. Come on, come on. I did really like I would still say to watch that um, if you if and when you can. Um, what else we got here? There was something I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, I was looking because there was another one, I think, that I forgot to mention. And it was kind of 
eating at me. Um, okay, I had, no, I had a couple. Dune, of I think Dune. I, I think Dune was the last one that I that I forgot to mention. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there, I had one other that I saw at Tribeca, uh, which was a thriller called Sea for Me. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it was a Canadian production, and I haven't heard anything about it since it came out. But it's a great tight ninety thriller. Um, I would suggest that. I don't know if and when it's going to be released here, uh, but I would highly recommend that if and when it comes out. I need to look into that myself before I say anything more because I don't want to say anything incorrect about it. Uh, but that was a great thriller that I saw. And a movie I saw really early this year, I think like in January or February, uh, it was on Amazon Prime. It was called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Uh, it's a Edge of Tomorrow gr uh, Groundhog Day type premise uh, with two high schoolers. And I was surprised at how much I liked that. I, I continue to be amazed at how much we can get out of that premise of the repeating day over and over again. Uh, this movie does some delightful stuff with it. It's really cute, really charming, and it's on Prime Video. It's a Prime Video exclusive, I believe. So if you haven't seen it, I know a couple friends that have seen it for my recommendation. If you have not seen it, I would suggest go seeing it. And that's what I've got. Yeah. I guess to end out the show, I'll just list a couple things that I'm looking forward to for 2022. Films, oh, TV, yeah. games, all that good stuff. Um, Starfield, I'm looking forward to seeing what Bethesda's next game is. Um, uh -huh. I'm a Bethesda apologist. Not really, though. I give them a lot of crap for a lot of the decisions, but it'll be interesting to see what the first game under XB XGS is going to be like, so I'm excited to see that. God of War and Horizon, two games that yeah. I loved that I'm very excited to see what comes out of them, and I think those are the big three that I'm looking forward to in regards to games. Um, books or comics or anything like that. Of course, I'm looking forward to reading Good Boy finally and seeing what that's all about. And I believe that's the only thing I have on my horizon for that. Music, Haley Steinfeld, please release an album <laughs> this year. I just want more content. Um, and then for movies, um, Don't Worry Darling. It is the Olivia Wilde Florence Pugh joint. It oh, is okay. the crime drama horror film that's coming out. I want to see what that's going to be like. Um, someone that released a horror film this year that I was kind of disappointed by was Edgar Wright with Last Night in Soho. I really love the beginning of it. I would say maybe like the first hour I was completely invested. And then the more and more that the horror element started coming in, the less and less I was interested. But good lighting and great editing. There's a sequence that was done mostly in camera. And I'm like, damn, so good. Edgar Wright is just a, a master at his craft. Even if I don't like the film entirely, when he goes off in like a movie, even if it's not great, you can tell, oh, he still got it. And I, in my opinion, he still has it. Outside of those two, I'm also looking forward to seeing what this damn Mario movie is going to be. God. Oh, it's a very end of the year, isn't it? Yeah. And then I think... More oh, of a curiosity. Yes. Mission Impossible 7. Looking forward to that yep. one. And then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. I would say those are the ones that I'm most looking forward to for next yeah. year. Yeah, on the movie side of things, it's MI7 and Spider-Verse, assuming they both make this year. Who knows what the future will hold. Um, they're both scheduled for the fall, I think. MI7's in September and Spider-Verse is in October as of now. Uh, those are probably my top two. Uh, we did actually talk about this on one of our streams the other night, uh, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, the ba the Batman, I do expect to like. I have reservations about it, uh, but I do think it looks good. Uh, the Northman from Robert Eggers looks really Norm good. Norm of the I, Northman? Oh, uh, not again. Yeah. Cool block. Um, I, I enjoy me some Viking stuff. This looks like some good Viking stuff, and I'm sure there's going to be some weirdness thrown in, because it's Robert Eggers. 
Um, looking forward to that. Um, in just a week from now, as of recording, the new Scream comes out. I watched all the Scream movies last year, and I like them all, especially the first one. I'm curious about this one. I don't. I have no idea whether it's actually going to be good, but I'm curious about it, and I'll probably go see it. I'm assuming I'm healthy by then, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what the future holds there. But the big one, Sonic you, Two, you baby. Know. Sonic the oh, Hedgehog. Well, yeah, two. Sonic, oh. Sonic Two is going to be fun. Oh, okay. I have a soft spot for that first one. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to this. I, one. Th- I, I thought that's Sonic the one two. that you were waiting for. Oh no, because in December. It's going to make this release year. They're marketing it already in magazines. We got Avatar 2 by the god James Cameron. Apparently, uh, 4 and 5 have already started filming. What about 3? Apparently, they started filming this month. So 2 and 3 are done with principal photography. Mm. They're going to happen. They're happening. And you all just have to accept that. You have a year to learn to accept this. Now, Nick, what if James Cameron dies before he can make 4 and 5? Okay, what if he just ends at 3 and you never get to see the vision? Okay. You know, then we'll at least get two and three. Guys, for, for context, Nick killed Betty White. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> when Earlier when I said Matrix Resurrections was my favorite theater experience of the year, I started that by seeing a Fathom Events ad for Betty White's 100th anniversary celebration. And my mind immediately went to, well, that's like a month away. What if she doesn't make it there? I didn't want to think about it. But then I thought, she's 99. I, I don't know what the future holds, but I feel like at that point, any given day, is kind of is kind of what it is and sadly it was like a week later that that actually happened nick you're a sick fuck i hope you know that <laughs> can't believe you took betty white from us it was all me i'm sorry yeah it was all you um i was looking through the list to see if there's anything else in 2022 i am curious about the flash about the multiverse stuff i don't know whether it'll be good but i love michael keaton i'm excited for michael keaton to be back apparently he's doing like three different movies of that batman now It'll be interesting for sure, because I don't know why they're starting off with Flashpoint, but they are, so we'll see. I mean, nothing that nothing they've been doing makes any sense with any of those movies, so. Yeah, Um, I don't think Shazam is next year, but I I love the first Shazam. I know you think it's just okay, but I'm excited for that one when that yeah. comes out. Um, Obviously, the Batman. You know, I, I'm going to watch the cape stuff. I don't think I need to say, like, oh, I'm excited for this. I'll watch it. I'm going to give them my money regardless. I've given in. I don't yeah. care. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Flash works, given that this movie's been in development hell for so long. Oh, a couple more. Jackass Forever, of course. How can I not mention Jackass Forever? It's just going to be delightful to be with my friends one one last time in, in the Jackass movies. Uh, I think as of now, it's scheduled for February. Again, with everything being so crazy right now, it might get pushed. Morbius was in February and it just got pushed. Morbius uh, was, so we'll no, Morbius was January 28th. The same day as February, Pokemon. February 28th. No, January 28th. It was the same day. I'm it, pretty sure it was, it, was the, it was January 28th. It was the same day as Pokemon Legends Arceus. I was thinking February for some reason. Anyway, Jackass should be delightful. Hopefully I can see it in February. Hopefully it doesn't get pushed or sent just to Paramount Plus. That would suck if I couldn't see that in the theater. I'm hoping for the best there. Uh, last one I'll mention, unless I think of another one, is uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Do you, have you seen the trailer for this yet? The Nick Cage playing Nick Cage movie? No, that's the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh. The movie I'm talking about is the Michelle Yao movie where yes, there is yes, a multiverse. Yes, 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 yes. I have seen this one. I, I'm excited for this one too because I like yeah. um, um, Swiss Army Man. Yeah, Swiss Army Man, which you haven't seen yet, and we're gonna watch it before that movie comes out. But I saw the trailer for that, and I'm like, yes, this looks very good. Um, but the Nick Cage one, I haven't seen anything from it. I don't want to see anything from it. I want to go in as blind as possible. It does not look good. I love the concept, but the movie does not look good. I'm sad to say. I won't spoil anything for you, but I'm disappointed at what it looks like based on how fun that concept sounds. We'll see. 
I, I because I'm going in with no expectations, or at least trying not to see any trailers or anything, I just want to see the movie the way that it is. And really, the only thing that I know is that Nick Plage is Nick, Nick, Nick Plage, Nick Cage is playing himself in a movie. That's all I know, and I just want to go in with that knowledge. You ever hear the tragedy of Nick Plage is the wise? It's not your worst one because I because I said Nick no. Plage. It's not your worst one. There's been worse, but yeah. Oh shit! Expendables four is this year. Oh joy! Another Expendables movie. They're not dead yet. They should be. Another Expendables film, guys. Guys, 2023 <laughs> is fast in your seatbelts. We'll see. We'll see if. Yeah. We'll see if Little Brother the Rock actually comes in. Cinema will, will return to these shores in 2023. Yeah, joy, but. Anything else you want to talk about? Any games? Anything that you're excited oh, for 2022? Games. Yeah, yeah. Um, Starfield, I'm curious about. I'm honestly expecting it to not make this year. If a game is slated for the fall, I expect it to not to not make the year. That's just my usual expectation. If it's if it's set in the fall that far in advance, so we'll see how that goes. Another game that I'm <laughs> the the longer we go, the less I think it'll happen this year is uh, the current title is the sequel to Legend of Zelda: The Breath of the Wild. Um, they can't just name it yet because I think the name is a spoiler of some kind and they want to release like a full trailer at some point. Uh, but like sequel to maybe my favorite game of all time. Of course, I'm going to be excited for that. Of course, I'm going to play it. I'm curious how it's going to run on a Switch because the original Breath of the Wild was on Switch day one and it still has frame rate issues and in some spots. Looks like Pokemon so, Legends Arceus is also struggling. Oh, we are not surprised. Uh, maybe, maybe they should have put some money into a powerful Switch instead of just doing an OLED. Maybe. Yeah, I think like I I don't really know what the rest of the year in gaming looks like, at least on the Xbox side of things. Nintendo, I know some. The 3D Kirby looks fun. I don't remember what it's called, but it looks like it should be enjoyable. Yeah, I'm really blanking on the rest of the year. I did not look into um, one that I forgot to mention year. that I'll that I mentioned pretty much every episode that we talk about things we're looking forward to. Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Oh, that's right. For the love of God, just release this damn game. <laughs> it, it's become a meme now. They posted something today about boba fett and apparently the game has officially been raided so apparently the game is done um we're still waiting for a date currently the rumor is quarter two so that's anywhere between april and june so maybe we will get that may the fourth release date maybe no we can maybe this is the year but that's one that i'm just release the damn game and then the other <laughs> one that i'll mention before i give it back to you uh dying light 2 that comes out in february i'm excited to play that one uh, the first one's really cool, and I'm excited to go back into this world, especially after all these years. Yeah, I think gaming-wise, I would have to look it up, which I'm not going to do right now. But yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild 2 is what I'm banking on this entire year for at the moment. We'll see We'll see what else is coming out. Uh, is Elden Ring this year? Elden Ring is like next week. What? Really? <laughs> it's January something, I'm pretty sure. No no shit? Oh my god. Elden Ring is, Hold on. is very soon. I'm pretty sure it's January. Um... Elden Ring. But I could be wrong. Feb- February 25th. February 25th. Sorry, my bad. So it's February. So it's fairly But it's, yeah, it's, it's fairly very close. close. I Maybe I'll check out Elden Ring. I've never played a Souls-like game to its entirety. I don't want to do that to myself, but, you know, we'll see. Oh, is this, is this a Souls game? Yeah, it's a Souls game. Oh, fuck. It's been pitched as Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild meets Dark Souls. No, I don't want that. Never mind. There you go. So I kind of <laughs> just ruined Elden Ring for you, but yeah. We'll see. Oh, thank you. Oh, I forgot to mention Wonderlands. Another game that I mentioned a whole lot. Uh, Wonderlands. Oh, yeah, I'm excited yeah. for that one. I, I like Borderlands. I like sci-fi. I like magic. It seems like it's going to be a fun time. 
Is there anything else that we can think of? We've remembered like 15 additional things tonight. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for my Avatar tabletop RPG to finally get here. It got pushed back to the summer. So that's oh, sad. That's sad. Um, that sucks. That's going to be exciting. It's going to be like next month, wasn't it? It was going to be... At one point. Yeah, it was going to be like next month. Um, so yeah. that's pushed to, I think, earliest is June. So that's sad. I was just about to name another thing. Oh, Avatar live action. I think that comes out this year. God, I'm terrified. The casting has all been really good so far, though. I have to give it up to them. The casting so far has been good, but I have no hopes for this show. On the flip side of that, I think this year we are getting the... No, I don't think we're getting it. Um, Avatar Studios, which is the official Avatar um, Studios, I guess. Wow, I explained it again. But <laughs> their stuff, I don't know if it comes out this year or next year. Oh, Teen Wolf movie. Oh, boy. Enjoyable schlock. Um, but that comes out this year on Paramount+. Plus. So That's all you, buddy. Yeah, that's all me. But I think that's it. I think that's everything. Are we sure that's it? I I think that can be it. I think we've remembered as much as we could. Yeah. Other than stopping, like, short of stopping the show and its tracks to look more stuff up, I think we're good. Yeah, I think that's it. But guys, we made it through 2021. We did it. Yeah, we did it. 2022, we're hoping that it'll go great. We do have a couple things planned throughout the year. So as we do them, you guys will see them, hopefully. But other than that, Nick... We, we decided to start doing a new thing called a link tree. Yes, rather than having to remember remember all of our handles on all our different platforms. That's more of an issue for you because you are inconsistent in your branding. Um, yeah, we are putting in our description, in the descriptions of the show now, wherever you're listening or watching it, we are putting our link trees in there, which has all the places you can follow us at. Exactly. It's going to have all that information, so that'll be down in the description. Remember, leave a like, rate, any of those good things. How about leave a comment? Any of that stuff helps. Send us a tweet. You have our Twitters there. If you guys have suggestions or questions or anything like that, send us a tweet. But guys, that's it. 2021 is over. We are now in 2022. We'll see how this year goes. Hopefully it goes a lot better than previous years. But that's going to be it for me. I believe that's it from Nick. We hope you guys have a good rest of your week, morning, day, afternoon, wherever you guys are watching this. Week, month, year, lifetime. Everyone have a good lifetime. Exactly. Bye, guys.